Heads up, this episode contains spoilers for Patricia Highsmith's books and their film adaptations. This is a Clark University podcast. The Price of Soul is not only her only lesbian novel, it's her only novel with female protagonists, and it's her only novel without a murder. It's barely a happy ending, but in 1952, that was a huge deal. Highsmith took a great joy in reading the thousands of letters that came in from lesbians about the hope that that novel inspired. In 2015, Todd Haynes' adaptation of The Price of Salt, Carol, came out, starring Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara, and I was just taken in by the film like so many queer viewers. Despite being a period piece, despite really luxuriating in the feelings of paranoia, mid-century, closeted queerness, it still spoke to me. Clark Screen Studies professor Rox Sommer has become an expert on the works of novelist Patricia Highsmith. Highsmith is well known for her psychological thrillers, including Strangers on a Train and the Tom Ripley series. And then there's The Price of Salt, which Highsmith first published under the pen name Claire Morgan. In 1990, the book was republished with the title Carol and under Highsmith's name. The film adaptation released in 2015. What do you do on Sundays? Nothing in particular. What do you do? Oh, nothing lately. I mean, if you'd like to come visit me sometime, you're welcome to. At least there's some pretty country around where I live. Would you like to come visit me this Sunday? Yes. <laughs> what a strange girl you are. Why? Long space. This is at a time where it was almost forbidden to write lesbian love stories. They needed to end with the women returning to heterosexuality or committing suicide or in the least hurting each other immensely. It was thought uncouth. And the, the end of The Price of Salt is like actually really fragile. They do break up, but then they come back together and it ends with them making eye contact across the room. And it's implied that they're gonna give it a go and you know move in together. I think that's the most traditional story of her influence. The Price of Salt sits really awkwardly amongst the rest of her oeuvre. Before that, and for decades afterwards, she was writing novels about murderous men and paranoid men and psychotic men, as well as like in the case of Townsend Mr. Ripley, writing stories about men's attraction and repulsion to one another and driving each other to madness. I'm Melissa Hansen, a producer in Clark's communications office, and this is Challenge Change. Highsmith was a complex person with an aversion to labels. Though The Price of Salt is considered one of the most notable lesbian novels of the 20th century, and Highsmith is popular in queer culture, Highsmith's personal journal entries reveal a level of distaste for women. 
she's just one of those like independent spirits that does not want to be labeled. She certainly balked at being called the suspense writer or a mystery writer as well as a woman writer. She is always using male pronouns and seeing herself as part of a traditionally masculine endeavor and has a fair amount of like internalized misogyny herself but she's also like not unaware of that as someone who described herself as a woman who loved women she also frequently despised them there's these various things that stand out as like what we would today call trans writing things in her 20s like i would love to change my sex is that possible Brock's first taught the 1999 film adaptation of The Talented Mr. Ripley as a graduate student at the University of Southern California. Generally, Rock says they are generous to the project of adaptation through their lens as a film scholar. Amid a renewed interest in Highsmith, brought on in part by the release of Highsmith's journal entries, Rox was recently invited to write an essay for the LA Review of Books. Their essay offered insight into Highsmith, film adaptation, and gender. The 1999 Ripley film has, you know, generated a wealth of discourse around what Mingela got right about this character. You know, Highsmith, I think very often when it comes to matters of queerness, but also when it comes to matters of gender and whiteness and capitalism, is sitting in all the icky feelings and is using like genre and point of view to to like think about internalized homophobia, to think about misogyny. The 99 film is very much like being made at the tail end of really like two decades of queer activism and increasing visibility in the wake of the AIDS crisis. And I think it's being made quite lovingly by a straight director for (laughs) queer people, or at least for other straight people who he hopes to encourage. And therefore he's creating this very human and delicate and vulnerable Ripley who nonetheless commits the same horrendous acts but is trying to shift it from like the psychotic mind or the potential for evil in any human, which is how Highsmith saw matters of good and evil in the 50s, and explore what homophobia could push someone to. It's a different project than Highsmith's, and it's a different avenue into like mid-century queerness. Rox has been interested in Highsmith's work for years, but didn't consider the author a research interest until more recently. It's one of those, I don't know, tricks of, of being a cultural studies scholar and a film scholar. Uh, you're constantly losing the boundary between what you're researching uh, versus what you're also like reading and watching and consuming for fun. There was something about this person's writing, including her approach to queer representation in her writing, that it seemed to me was really profoundly influencing the history of cinema, starting with the immediate adaptation of her first novel, Strangers on a Train, by Alfred Hitchcock. Now, let's say that that you'd like to get rid of your wife. That's a morbid thought. No, 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 just suppose. Let's say that you had a very good reason. No, let's, let's, no, no, let's, let's, let's say. Now, you'd be afraid to kill her. You know why? You'd get caught. And what would trip you up? The motive. 
Only the last couple of years, I've come to wonder if there's a, a research project there to think about how this queer writer shaped queer representation on cinema, if not in a very direct or overt or even intentional way. Because maybe there was something cinematic to her writing, even if that was not the medium she was predominantly thinking about or invested in herself. While the most popular adaptations of Highsmith's works are Carol, Strangers on a Train, and Mr. Ripley, you may have seen another adaptation on Hulu recently. The 2022 film Deep Water, starring Ben Affleck and Ana de Armas, is based on Highsmith's 1957 novel of the same name. We want to put things like misogyny in the past, and so major spoiler coming up, it's really telling to me that when we make Deep Water today, we do not end the film the way Highsmith ended the novel, which is very disturbingly having the husband kill the wife. Instead, we get an exploration of heterosexual marriage. He kills and it's better. Highsmith's writing of the husband's initial killings of other creepy dudes evolving into him killing his wife because killing her lovers didn't solve his problem her infidelity and his troubled masculinity. It sounds horrendous, but I actually think she's inviting you to think about how misogyny could go so awry. A fun romp about killing your wife's lovers, and then she loves you ever the more in the end. That's disturbing in a different way, and I think it cheats the misogyny that's under Highsmith's microscope. To learn more about screen studies at Clark, visit clarku.edu slash screen studies. Challenge Change is produced by Andrew Hart and Melissa Hansen for Clark University. Find other episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. One, two, three. Clark! <laughs>